I'm Ben Forrest. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. episode of the Chords Cast. Today I have two special guests with me. I have Clay Emerson and Stephen Jenkins. They're with the Cystinosis Research Foundation. They're going to share a little bit more about their journey with being parents to kiddos who have cystinosis, along with advocating for the Cystinosis Research Foundation. So to get us started, Clay, would you introduce yourself to the audience to share a little bit about yourself and then your connection to cystinosis. Sure, sure. Um, yes, my name is Clay and um, I'm the proud father of a, um, a six-year-old girl named Brooke. And um, Brooke uh, and the cystinosis community, I mean, where the connection was made was probably not uh, very different than a lot of other rare diseases with, um, you know, just some unusual symptoms and you know, being new parents, not sure what to expect, and and the concerns kind of grew, and it was kind of a long road to a diagnosis for us, um, and you know, many doctors' visits, but uh, eventually we were, um, you know, introduced to the cystinosis community through through a diagnosis. So uh, that was at about 16 months, and um, you know, Brooke is doing good, and 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 we're. Um, really uh, really thankful for the the community that we found uh, a lot of other parents and a lot of other uh, support and um, yeah that's that's really how we were introduced to the rare disease community okay thank you Stephen could you introduce yourself and just share a little bit more about your connection uh, yeah sure thing Th- thanks for having us on so like like Alyssa said my name is Stephen Jenkins um, I live in Salt Lake City Utah and I'm a physician at the University of Utah a Medical Center, and I have two boys um, that have cystinosis. Um, my older son, Samuel, is 12 now, and my younger son, Lars, is nine. And Samuel was diagnosed when he was about 12 months old. And uh, before that, um, kind of like Clay was saying, he'd had a lot of symptoms, um, specifically, you know, failure to thrive, um, getting dehydrated, lots of throwing up, not growing, not meeting his milestones. And, um, and so, you know, started seeing lots of doctors and it, and it took a while before we saw a specialist who could kind of I- identify the constellation of symptoms that he had and, and, and sent us for the correct testing. And, you know, it was a, it was a pretty devastating diagnosis at the time you know we were pretty crushed here we had our one-year-old boy and he had this you know this genetic disease that you know I knew 
from reading about it that they, you know, didn't have like a normal life expectancy mm. and they had to take all these medications. And so we were really sad and we started kind of blogging about our journey with the diagnosis and learning more about it. And some another family uh, with a child with cystinosis found our blo- one mm. of our blog posts and reached out to us and and then actually came and visited from Idaho and and after that um, you know kind of they they were involved with the cystinosis research foundation and, and started to invite us to their events and yeah we felt like it was this huge blessing to meet other people whose children were going through you know similar things and. And, and then we had this big built-in support group now. So that's kind of how we got connected with it all. Okay, thank you. It, now, Stephen, is it common or uncommon to have two children with cystinosis? Uh, yeah, so, you know, cystinosis is an autosomal recessive uh, d- disease. So, you know, every time, you know, two parents get together where, where they each have that recessive gene, which is, that's rare in itself yeah, to have two say. parents, right, with the gene. Um, so every time the two, two, two carriers have a child, they have a one in, in four chance that the child will have mm. two copies and then we'll have the recessive disease, in this case, cystinosis. And so, yeah, so for our first child, it was a one in four chance that he would have cystinosis. And when he was about two two years old and things were starting to get a little bit more manageable we were getting used to the new life that we had we really wanted him to have a sibling and we thought hey well 75 percent chance our kid will be healthy so mm-hmm. let's go for it and so you know we were we were a little sad and disappointed that that we you know our second child also was diagnosed with cystinosis yeah. but in the end it, it also became a blessing of sorts um because you know having two kids with it like you know, they're, they really get each other yeah, and they really yeah. have that, you know, built in best friend of, Oh, you're taking all of your medications right now. Me too. And, oh, wow. and, and, you know, they kind of have a shared understanding of that. And, and so, and cystinosis is, you know, fortunately we, there is a, there is a treatment for it. Um, and you know, it's not a cure by any means, but it's a lysosome storage disease and there is a medication that helps the lysosomes clear out all the cysteine that builds up. And so, if you can get on that medication early enough, it makes a big difference. And so my second kid, we got him on that medication um, and he's done really well. He doesn't have all the same, um, you know, kidney disease and other problems that my older son has, but still has this genetic disorder. And so I feel like that kind of unites them. And then Mm -hmm. when we do things with other families, you know, it's fun to see them running around with all the other kids and they get to feel totally normal. Yeah, that is an interesting perspective and a positive way to put it, that these two boys get to walk through this together. That's, that's kind of mm-hmm. neat. Uh, Clay, Stephen touched a little bit upon symptoms of cystinosis. So for somebody who isn't familiar with what cystinosis is, uh, could you explain a little bit about it? I know there are some treatments out there, but just a little background on it. Sure. As uh, Stephen mentioned, it's a, it's a genetic disease, an autosomal recessive disease, um, and uh, it's a lysosomal storage disease. So, um, you know, every cell has uh, a lysosome, and in children with cystinosis, um, their lysosome functions um, 
a little differently than, than the average child. And that difference is related to one single amino acid called cysteine. So um, the lysosome is kind of the recycling center of the cell. It takes in waste products and, and, and sorts them and kind of um, spits them back out so they can be reincorporated. And um, unfortunately, with cystinosis, the lysosome um, uh, can't process cysteine and it accumulates in the lysosome. And um, without the medication that Stephen mentioned earlier, that that cysteine builds up and actually crystallizes mm. and ruptures the lysosome and ultimately the cell. So it's a really difficult disease to manage and it manifests in, in different ways. And, and the main reason for that is because it literally every cell in your body has um, lysosomes that, that don't function the way they should. So it, it affects quite, quite literally every cell mm-hmm. in the body. Um, historically, it's, it's been categorized as a, as a kidney disease. And really the, the, the only reason for that is, is because the kidneys are what are affected earlier and, and what ultimately um, or initially lead to the symptoms that are observed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really uh, tricky disease to manage because it does affect every cell. Um, again, the kidneys first, and you also hear a lot about um, the eyes because mm-hmm. it, it, the same crystals form in the cornea, and that uh, makes uh, it difficult. It, um, people with uh, cystinosis will have a photophobia or be very sensitive to, to bright lights and will often wear very dark um, tinted sunglasses to try and manage that. So um, it really does affect every cell in the body, and um, it's, it's, a, it's certainly a tricky one to manage. Um, we are fortunate that there is medication that that does help slow the progression as as Stephen mentioned it's not a cure but um we're definitely fortunate to to um to at least have some treatment Mm, that's good thank you for that explanation Uh, that was very thorough Uh, Stephen I know you're a part of the cystinosis research foundation can you tell me a little bit more about that and why why did you get involved yeah, so the foundation is this really amazing uh, group of people um, started initially by one family, the, the Stack family, Nancy and Jeff Stack. Mm-hmm. So they have a daughter named Natalie uh, that was diagnosed with cystinosis when she was an infant. And when Natalie turned like 12 years old, I think, um, you know, her birthday wish that year was that her disease would go away forever. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there wasn't a lot of... Um, research going on for cystinosis. There had been, uh, you know, a fair amount back in the 70s and 80s um, around the time that they discovered this medication, cystamine, that, that, that Clay was talking about. But since that time, there really hadn't been a lot of new research. And so Nancy and Jeff, um, who live in um, Newport Beach or Orange County, um, got, you know, a bunch of friends together and said, hey, we want to start raising money and we want to start finding researchers who are interested in cystinosis. And they just created this amazing network uh, and started fundraising and and started raising, you know, hundreds of thousands and then millions of dollars and then created this foundation in a, in a science review board and started, you know, basically saying, hey, we got money to study cystinosis. Who wants to do this? And they recruited 
you know, physicians and researchers in the California area initially. Mm -hmm. um, kind of the first thing they started working on was a delayed release version of cystamine because that medication had to be taken every six hours on the dot. So that's a pretty onerous burden for a patient and, and their family to make sure you're taking that medicine yeah. all the time. They wanted to come up with a pill that could be taken every 12 hours. And so they found some researchers to work on that. And it really just grew from there as more and more families found out about the foundation. They started fundraising for the foundation as well. And so then there was more money to give to researchers. And I think, I can't remember the exact year that it, the foundation was started. I think it was like 2002 or three. You know, and since that time, they've raised a lot of money and funded a lot of research. And and the, the goal has been to you know, find a researcher who can do gene therapy, who could potentially find a cure for cystinosis, because since it is genetic, you know, the only way to really cure it would be to fix the gene. And so you need some kind of gene therapy. And so that has been kind of the mission all along. And, you know, fortunately, there have been scientists in that field that have, that have become interested in cystinosis, um, notably Dr. Stephanie Sherkey, um, who's at UC San Diego, and and she's been working on that now for you know over a decade, and and we we actually are very fortunate that we've started human trials on a on a gene therapy for cystinosis, and three different individuals with cystinosis have now undergone this gene therapy, and and right now we're waiting to find out is this going to be the cure that we've been you know wow. praying for. Wow, that's remarkable. I actually remember when we were developing your questionnaire with you guys, and I remember reading the question about having to give the medication every six hours or every 12 hours, and I remember thinking, that is a commitment. That is a, I can't imagine that would be tough. That's great to hear, though, about the gene therapy. Clay, why do you feel, or why, why should patients and families advocate for research? Yeah, um, I think that um, you know this was something when when we were first diagnosed. You know, you ask all the questions: Why us? What are we going to do? You know, what is what is uh, our child's um, future? Um, and as a parent, and I guess specifically um, for me, at least as a dad, um, you know, feel like I need to you know, make things better, fix things, mm -hmm. make, uh, take care of your child. And when you're given a, a diagnosis like this, there are a lot of emotions, but one of them um, that, that comes up maybe after the initial one wave of emotions passes is, is frustration because, uh, you, you know, you want to um, provide for your, your child and, and their health and well-being, of course, is number one on the list and when you're handed something like this you know besides keep up with the the rigorous uh, medication routine and, and the medication that we've talked about so far is, is just one most kids are, are taking between 20 uh, maybe about 20 doses or, or or more of different medications in a 24-hour period um, but but for me and, and for us you know uh, we really felt like our hands were tied um, besides taking the best care of her as we could. So the only thing left to do, you know, uh, was, was to try and advocate 
for her and for other kids um, with the same condition. And, and in the rare disease world, um, specifically for cystinosis, we're talking about five or 600 um, people in the country um, who have cystinosis. So it's, it's considered an ultra rare disease. And really the only thing that we felt like we could do to make um, her future as, as, as bright as it could be was to advocate for um, for cystinosis, for cystinosis research, and and um, both raise money for um, for the research efforts directly, and then also, you know, try and support um, other parents and other other kids who were going through the same thing that we were going through. So it was really, you know, all that we could do. You know, um, it, it was, and it it did selfishly provide us with. Um, you know, the feeling at least that, that we were really, you know, doing the best that we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen, what are ways that parents can get their kids involved in research or what are things that they can do to help further research? Uh, it's a great question. I think, you know, people who are really serious about it, I think the best avenue is to work with foundations like the Cystinosis Research Foundation. There are other cystinosis support groups out there, but the the Cystinosis Research Foundation really is focused on research. And so over the years, just from our association with them, my kids have actually uh, been involved with different studies. Um, You know, we talked about the 12-hour drug um, back when that was developed. Uh, we enrolled my son when he was two years old for for a phase four of that trial, and so we were flying out to California every three months to get labs and and see the doctors and everything, and and then that went on until the drug uh, got FDA approval. Um, but that was kind of a big thing. But there's a lot of small things mm-hmm. people can do. Um, like Clay mentioned, a lot of people really want to be advocates, and they and then a lot of people will we'll do fundraising and you know any fundraising is helpful we have lots of young kids who are out there doing like lemonade stands um and then we have people that do these big galas and raise you know a hundred thousand dollars and and you know my family's never raised anything like that but we've done lots of different types of fundraisers over the year and it's it's really cool to see you know the community kind of come around to support your kids but even if people don't want to do fundraising, and I don't think anyone should feel obligated to do that because it's a lot of work mm-hmm. and you're really putting yourself out there. If you want to help with the research, um, just join these communities and you will find out about those opportunities. And one of the big things that we're asking families to do right now is to uh, fill out this questionnaire this uh, with this registry with courts so that we can get more information about all the people throughout the world that have cystinosis. Um, Because like Clay mentioned, there's maybe five or 600 in the United States. We don't really know for sure. In the world, there's probably a few thousand. And we would like to know more about what cystinosis is like for those people outside of the United States as well as here in the U.S. um, so that we can address what what the needs of the patients are and so I think that's probably one of the biggest things people could do right now. Yeah, I liked how you touched on there's many different things that people can do, whether it's you know fundraising or advocating, but also how by enrolling in the CORDS registry and filling out that cystinosis questionnaire, it's one of the easier things that 
actually is going to provide a wealth of information to the cystinosis community. Uh, Clay, I know both you and Stephen alluded to when your children were diagnosed, you know, the frustration or the sadness of having that diagnosis. You know, what advice would you give to a parent who, find, who has just found out that their kid was diagnosed? What has helped you to navigate through this? Yeah, I would say um, what was a, a major help to us, and it's it's. I'm glad that that Stephen's on the on, on the uh, on the call here with us because um, he's one of the people that I have to thank. Um, you know, he came before us, and and um, what was really really helpful for us, and what I, the first thing I would recommend that a newly diagnosed person or family does is reach out to the community and and. Um, Stephen and his wife and, and many other families um, within the community and specifically within CRF reached out to us and you know you're really you're on an island when you when you're diagnosed with a rare disease um, you likely have never heard of the mm -hmm. disease in your life um, and you know nothing about it but what you gather from uh, you know a quick internet search or something like that so it is a really really lonely place to be um, but the good news in that is there are, there are people who've been there before and who are willing to, um, you know, show you that, um, that, that everything will be okay and, and that you, you can figure this out and that your, your child has a, has a bright future. So I would definitely reach out to, to the community um, and I have a number of people to thank um, who were there for us when we were first diagnosed and Stephen and his family course are one of them um, and we've tried to um, to do that ourselves and, and yeah. reach out to new families um, whenever we can or um, that that's certainly my my number one bit of advice mm. I like that it's kind of the ripple effect you know Stephen's family helped yours and you want to help others that's awesome to hear Stephen I, I want to ask you the same question too what what advice would you give and what helps you and your wife navigate through this? Yeah, I think Clay, you know, said it perfectly. I think uh, the, the first thing I'd want to tell people is there is hope mm. and it does get better. Um, the first year or two is really tough. You're getting used to all these new medications. A lot of kids have to get feeding tubes and they're on continuous feeding. And, you know, it's just a lot. Uh, it really disrupts your life and changes everything. And, and then, but it does get better. Things, you know, your, as your child grows um, and, and advances, life gets, gets easier. And, 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 and so, the, you know, being part of the community, you know, we went, so the Cystinosis Research Foundation does an annual family gathering in California and uh, and so you can go there, you can meet other families and your kids can meet other kids and going there and seeing these other families who had been doing this for a lot longer than us and seeing you know how happy their kids were and seeing wow they they still have a good quality of life and and they you know they they're still like normal kids, you know, even though they got to take all these medications and go to the doctors and and things like that like it really gave us hope. And so I think, you know, you can go online and, and Google cystinosis and find some pretty scary stuff, I think. Um, 
Um, but, you know, go on Facebook or some other social media and find these communities and reach out. And, and the community is so welcoming and they're so willing to help, you know, talk you through things and because it's so much to learn. Like, I'm a doctor and it took me a long time <laughs> to, to really wrap my head around cystinosis and I'm still learning about it all the time. So that's good thank you yeah i can echo that that i've worked with you clay and nancy and you guys are very easy to work with and very welcoming so i do encourage anybody who is new to this um with a newly diagnosed cystinosis child that to reach out to the cystinosis research foundation uh, they're very very helpful uh, before we wrap up today guys is there anything else that you would like to share no, I think um, I just think it's so great what Cords is doing um, to support all of these rare diseases um, because I think you know I I I always tell people like you know if you're gonna get a rare genetic disease like cystinosis isn't the worst one because we mm -hmm. have this amazing community mm -hmm. and I think it's really cool that there's other advocacy groups out there that are trying to help get people connected to other people with rare diseases because like Clay said you're really on an island and. And, and the, the number one thing people need, I think, is is that connection. And so, you know, when we were preparing the, the questionnaire for cystinosis, we kind of, you know, took a tour of other things that Quartz has and, and saw, you know, a lot of the other diseases on there. And I just think it's really excellent that you guys are doing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We, oh, yeah, go ahead, Clay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, one thing I've, I've noticed a couple times going, going to different... Uh, conferences and things is um, there's a lot of rare diseases out there and, and we all mm -hmm. have a lot in common I mean they're all extremely different you know they affect different parts of, of, of the body and, and change lives in different ways but there's a lot of camaraderie amongst um, rare diseases and, and I think what CORDS is doing is brings a lot of those um, different communities together and we, we've actually noticed that within the cystinosis community, um, some of the, the research that we're um, that CRF is funding is, is being applied in other in other rare diseases. So I think that wow. that camaraderie yeah. is is really really amazing because mm -hmm. um, we're all you know our own rare disease, but but there's a lot of rare diseases out there, and and um, so it's, it's been really good to, um, to see some overlap and, and know that some of the fundraising and research that we're doing is, is, is changing, um, is, is hopefully changing some lives um, in other rare diseases as well. Yeah, that's really cool to hear that it's making an impact outside of just cystinosis too. That's pretty powerful. Uh, thank you both again for sharing more about cystinosis, both on the scientific level and then also to patients. I think one of the biggest takes for me from this conversation is to remain hopeful and that there is hope for a good future for the kids. So thank you both again. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry, Chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. 
The content of QuartzCast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on QuartzCast.